Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. We have an incredible show for you today, and we're all going to do it on full stomachs because uh, I believe... Dr. Debbie's actually in the green room. Right now, she's cooking up hash browns for us. <laughs> Four. Coming up on today's show, comedian and actress Judy Gold will be joining us. Also, a guy who says you can train cats, and he wants to teach you how to train cats. So if you're one of those disbelievers, like me. He has a college that you can attend to train cats. To train your cat, to yes. train, I just don't get it. But thankfully, uh, he'll be on in just a few minutes, and he'll explain that. Lori, what are you working on for today's show? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was lost in my grief. Um, Chewy.com has been purchased. So a lot of people are concerned, is it going to change? Because you know, Chewy fans are pretty happy with Chewy right now. They're loyal. So yeah, yeah, they've been bought. And for a pretty penny, I understand. A record amount. Okay, that's on yeah. the way in just a few minutes right here. And let's, let's go to the phones right now. Which one are we going to there? Line two. Let's go to Albert. Hey, Albert. Good afternoon. How you doing? Good. How are you? What's up? Oh, uh, I can't really complain. Uh, look, I've got a friend of mine. Uh, he's got a couple of Chihuahua dogs. One is very irate. He's tearing up his back seat of his car. And, uh, when he comes over there, comes to, to see me, he acts like he wants to bite me or try to get to me in the... He's also got, also got a little puppy. He's not even just a little baby puppy. And, and if I try to pet him, he'll, he'll snap at me. So I oh. don't know what to do. How, how do I make commands with these dogs? Okay. Well, the, the the big challenge is that, you know, we need to talk to your friend because <laughs> um, a lot of dogs are protective of their owners in certain situations, you know, in their house, you know, in their car, maybe when they're on a leash. And it can be a bit misguided, this type of protection. So it's good to be a little wary of strangers if you're a dog, but it's not good when it gets over the top and we're actually kind of nipping, biting and, and outwardly demonstrating aggressively when it's not warranted. So this kind of falls on your friend. Um, to having him encourage the dogs to respond to visitors in a positive way. So meaning that, say, if you're, you know, coming up to him and he's just walking down the street and he's got his dog in his arms and that tries to eat you, um, then the, the goal would be is that, you know, dogs really favor that height. So they're kind of like cats in this way. So being up high is a kind of a sign of dominance. So for a little dog, when we pick him up and we cuddle them and go, okay, and we're kissing on him and loving on him, we're telling them you're equal with me. And if someone's coming up, you've got every right to defend me. So, and a dog that has an aggressive display in that way, one of the first steps that we'd ask your friend to do is put the dog on a leash and put him on the ground. And he, it automatically kind of changes the dynamics that he's no longer at your eye level and he's down a little lower. So that changes the, the dog's perspective and how they may respond. So that's one part of this. The other part is that you can be, as long as your friend agrees to this, you can be the deliverer of all things delicious. And this is where... Get permission. Make sure he's on board. He gives you permission for certain food items, but little bits of special treats, pieces of hot dog, um, pieces of string cheese, or maybe some other treat that they find especially attractive. This would be something that when you come to see your friend, 
I would say if he gives you permission, then you give that treat and an open hand, <laughs> so you're not sticking your fingers out, <laughs> and give that to the dog and let that just be the reward. Don't ask for anything else. Don't ask to try to touch the dog. Scratch it because you're going to push your luck and you're going to get your knuckle taken off or, well, it's a chihuahua, nibbled on. <laughs> so, But use food as a reward and um, you know, have your friend kind of uh, not encourage coddling and hugging on the dog if they're barking and be demonstrating in an aggressive way. Um, we want our dogs to be good citizens and friendly when we want them to be friendly, but still be on, on alert when it's a suspicious situation. Some dogs just get a little bit confused. And it's funny because I actually had the same conversation today with one of my clients who is the same thing. A relative's dog um, just always tries to attack them when they come up to them, especially if they're sitting on the couch and they lean over. It's the same kind of thing. We just need to change the dynamics there and um, and again, make sure that you're the, the good guy, the guy that brings the food, and that you don't try to push it and put the dog in an uncomfortable situation. Mm. So what it takes time. Right. Well, you know what? I've had two situations uh, within the last couple of months. I had one. There was a pit bull. Uh, he was full grown. He was uh, running around. Loose. I guess the uh, people did time up, and I would uh, go up and and he would growl at me, and you know, and uh, finally, uh, after I called the dog catcher, I didn't want to do that. But, uh, uh, I, I, he was hurt, you know, he was limping, and I wanted to give him some help, so I just said, okay, what what have you got against me? Why are you being mean to me? And uh, he, he came up to me, let me pet him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a different so situation. Uh, you know, a dog running at large, we have to be a little cautious with because there's a lot of things we don't know. You know, what startled him? Um, but I would tell you, and it is important to make sure that we do call some authorities to get this dog, you know, picked up if you can't safely, you know, collect it because it's going to be at risk for, you know, injury running at large. So, you know, nobody wants to call, you know, animal control. But if we really have an animal that we can't approach and we can't uh, get safely, then it's really in their best interest to get them off the street so that they don't get injured. And correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, an animal can sense fear in a human. Sure. I mean, we give off, you know, nonverbal cues. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly, the uh, like, you know. They're more likely to bite if they sense your fear cure them, right? Well, that's only one of the things that will instigate a, a dog to bite. There's a lot of other things that you have no control over. You only have control over your behavior. You don't know if that dog's um, neutered or not. So you know, intact male dogs are more likely to bite. Um, as far as, you know, has that dog been running? Has it been chased? Um, is it... Uh, uh, unsocialized. All of those things play a bigger role in a dog maybe triggering um, a, an aggressive display than whether or not you're showing fear. So, you know, it's it's good to be confident when you're around dogs, but when you have unfamiliar dogs, I never ask anyone to um, be overly brave because you really, you don't know an animal, you don't know how they're going to respond and, and just really be cautious in those situations. Well, you know, they used to say there's no saying that the waggling the tail that they're not they're friendly, they're not going to bite you, but that's not true. No, heck no. I've been bit by dogs that do that. So, yeah. So, no, it, it's a generalization and it's a characteristic. But there are some dogs that, um, for whatever reason along the way, they've been um, trained to or they've been socialized in a way that they just don't um, 
learn um, the cues um, on, on how to tell another dog or another creature that they're uh, uneasy, fearful, and uh, and then you can get a bite situation. So, so, you're so be careful out there, Albert. I don't want you getting bit going up all these stray dogs. <laughs> right. I love animals. I love animals. And, uh, I hate to see one hurt. I hate to see one uh, mis- you know, abused. Yeah, and you mentioned just before we close the call, I wanted to mention you a friend who has the young Chihuahua. One great thing you can do as a pet owner, if you have a dog, and say you've had a, do- a previous Chihuahua that's been nippy or not good about new people, you want to expose them to other people. So what we do is we do puppy passing <laughs> in the in the clinic setting. So if we have a new puppy, we ask, you know, hey, can you hold this new puppy? We want him to get used to different people. We want him to get used to being handed from one person to another, and it's it's just a matter of becoming a him to that, and if we if we socialize our dogs and get them used to these kind of experiences when they're young, they're going to be more adaptable. So keep that in mind if if you have a puppy like that. You say that, <laughs> that people let me uh, hold a treat or something in, my, in the palm of my hand and uh, let him take it. He don't like me. It's yeah. If you are the presenter of something really yummy, then with time and repetition, he's going to learn that. Hey, every time this guy comes around, I get this really great treat. So you know, maybe it's all right. So it's a way you'll build faith in him. He'll be he'll be faithful. He'll have faith that you're not a bad guy. <laughs> right. You know what a dingo is? Oh sure. Yeah. They are really really aggressive, and uh, I'll let you go because I know I know I won't keep you tied up with. Uh, a friend of mine had a dingo when I first met him. That dog would have me for breakfast, dinner, and supper, but after he got to know me, he was my best friend. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> <laughs> what? The dingo ate your baby. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Albert. Great talking to you again, and uh, we wish you well. Bet you didn't know this healthy serving of animal radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It is always, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Check them out over at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting animal radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. And I, I'm, I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll, play, I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Water beds were a big hit in the 70s, but lately they're a big hit with cows. Dairy farmer Kirk Christie says his cows give milk while resting on waterbeds and watching a flat screen TV. He says the specially made cow waterbeds were a big hit with his cows from the beginning. They provide heat in the winter and cool them in the summer depending on the water he pipes in. Happy cows produce more milk and since the waterbeds, milk production has jumped up 20%. Christie installed the TV because he said the cows were so used to just hearing his voice that when visitors came by, they'd get scared. Now they get a chance to meet new people on TV and according to Christie, they like Oprah and Dr. Phil. 
He may be the only farmer offering his cows TV entertainment, but the waterbeds are here to stay. According to the manufacturer, there are over 150,000 cow waterbeds being used, and more orders are coming in every day, causing a lot of cows to ask, Hey, Elsie, what's your sign? I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. 877-247-1584. 877-247-1584. Hey, this is John Sally, and you are listening to Animal Radio. Go vegan. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Uh, Don't forget you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. And one of the great reasons to have the app is if there's ever a food recall. And let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, there's lots of food recalls. If there ever is one, you'll get notified on your phone or your device immediately. Is there one happening yeah. right now? <laughs> there could be, but you know what? I don't know if you guys saw, but there is actually a food recall, and this is kind of outside of our realm, so you won't find it on our app. But did you hear about the uh, the potato product that's being recalled for people? Potato product? No, I I no. product? missed it. So okay, you, you're never going to guess why they recalled hash browns. And, and this, I believe, was on, I want to say, the East Coast, North Carolina, Maryland, Delaware area. <laughs> it's crazy. They recalled hash browns because there were pieces of golf balls Go- in the hash browns. Golf balls in the hash browns. Now, did could they- pose a choking hazard, it- do you think? Absolutely, it could pose a choking hazard. <laughs> how did you know, you the- talk about food safety when it comes to animals. We panic about these things. This, how come people are talking about this stuff? I think this is crazy. Golf ball pieces in your hash browns. Yeah, usually it's something that's also manufactured in the same plant that contaminates the food or, or whatever. I, golf balls and hash browns. I don't understand how that even happens. <laughs> yeah, so apparently the potatoes um, were harvested and golf balls were somehow incorporated oh. in the harvesting process. So I guess, you know, if you got a neighbor that, you know, drives golf balls and your potato farmer might be Oh, good. no. Oh, there you go. So if you uh, crack open your hash browns tomorrow, (laughs) you need a golfing tee for it. Four? I never understood why they said that word. I guess I'm not a golfer. It's to alert other golfers that they could be hit with a golf ball. But why four? Why not just say, watch out? Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, it goes back a long, long way. Okay, if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani, we'll go to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Also, in about 10 minutes, we're going to do a quick check of the animal news from the Animal Radio Network newsroom, which Miss Lori 
Brooks is presiding in. Well, I love, you know, California is always first uh, out there making new laws and different things. There's a, a law in California in a couple of cities that have already enacted this, but now they want to make this concerning your pets statewide. And we'll tell you what it is. Hi, Lee. How are you? Yeah, I had a question for Dr. Debbie. I, I got a three-year-old uh, Boston Terrier. And about two nights ago, she went outside, and she come back in, and she was limping. And we didn't really think that much of it that night. But the, the next day, her paw up to her, her shoulder was, uh, was uh, you know, swollen really bad. And we called mm-hmm. our vet about it, and he said it sounded like a snake bite to give her Benadryl, which the swelling has gone down. But I was wondering, should we be worried about any kind of infection? Oh, geez. Yeah, definitely. Gosh. So, I mean, if it was a snake bite, your baby got off very lucky because um, a lot of pets don't survive snake bites. So I guess that's the first thing that if we ever, ever suspect a snake bite, get your little babies to the veterinarian. Your vet didn't say come in? No, no, he just said that usually if they don't get bit like around the facial area or in the mouth, that usually a snake bite. That's what he told us, that usually a snake bite, all he would do is give her an antihistamine. Uh, you live in a town with more than one vet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Find nice the other now. vet. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, as far as the big concern with snake bites is, you know, there are different, different toxic potentials for different snakes. So maybe he knows something that I don't know about the snakes in your particular area. But when we're talking about things like the, the rattlesnakes, which are big in my Las Vegas area, those we do not mess around with because it could be a matter of just a few hours and a pet can die from a snake bite. So the, the main effects tend to be we see swelling, we see pain, and we can see a potential for infection. So yes, any snake bite that I see, my patients get put on antibiotics, but they get a whole heck of a lot more. So they can go into shock. So we give them IV fluids. We do give them antihistamines, but there's even antivenom, which is very important for some pets in helping to survive those uh, snake bite uh, misadventures, if you will. Um, so yeah, I usually, this is another one of those emergencies. I don't hold back and it, it's it's something we treat very aggressively because um, you know, pets can die very quickly from that. Now, that being said, you know, um, your vet is definitely correct, and I agree with the fact that, you know, bites on the head and the face are more serious because it's a much quicker uh, path to the brain, if you will. And so pets that are larger or have bites on extremities may not have a serious uh, a response, but, you know, you can have that individual who is uh, you know, your your Aunt Betty, who's allergic to bees, and if she gets stung, she goes into anaphylactic shock. And this can happen to any dog that has a, has a snake bite. You just don't know which one's going to have that horrible reaction. doesn't mean everyone's going to, but it means you need to take take that injury with the respect it deserves and get your pet to the vet. So is that enough of okay. a lecture from me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we actually never could find, you know, a puncture wound or anything. And we said we're not really sure if it was a snake because she had an allergic reaction, like to a, a insect bite. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if you don't see, you know, some telltale bite wounds, some draining sores, then it might not necessarily be a, a snake bite that, for your pet situation. But, yes, you yeah. can have a really big swollen up leg. Um, you know, in our areas, we have um, uh, scorpions, which can cause yeah. a pretty good even allergic reaction in some dogs. And that can even be life-threatening for some pets. But um, if we're suspecting it might have been a bee sting or some other kind of fire ant envenom- envenomation, something like that, then, you know, something like an antihistamine is very appropriate. 
Um, but yeah, I don't hesitate if I'm worried that there's a snake or you know that, that you have snakes in your area. Those are definitely the big red flags to be ready and, and be aware. Lee, last week we had a, we had a guy that called in whose dog got bit. He sucked the venom out of the leg of the bite, mm-hmm. of the, and then he got sick himself, and they both ended up at the hospital. So that's another thing yeah. you don't want to do. <laughs> Not recommended, definitely. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. The online pet product retailer Chewy, which rocketed to nearly $1 billion in reported sales in only five years, has set a record for the richest business acquisition in Internet history after being bought by PetSmart, the nation's largest pet store chain. Multiple sources familiar with this huge deal say the price for Chewy was $3.35 billion. Yeah. Wow. That's not chump change. Yeah. They sold out. For PetSmart, it is all part of the company's transformational journey after a a kind of slowing or no growth period even. With $7 billion in revenue in more than 1,500 stores, 30-year-old privately held PetSmart in that chain has opened 73 new stores last year. But its same store sales have been flat not growing. By comparison, in recent months, Chewy says its revenue has exceeded $100 million a month, thanks to its legions of loyal shoppers. Ryan Cohen, he will remain at Chewy as the CEO. It was his brainchild. And he says Chewy will operate largely as an independent subsidiary. So that's great news for Chewy fans. This seems to be like the trend, like Walmart is not making any more money in their brick and mortar, so they're going online. Same thing with PetSmart. They're not making money in their brick and mortar, so they're buying and acquiring online assets. So exactly. it's actually a good move, I think, on their part. I, think, I, yeah, oh, I oh. got some I got some inside people in PetSmart. Oh, you they do? They were telling me prior to this that Chewy's was slaughtering them. It was they were slaughtering their sure. business and they needed to um you know to do um something about it and I guess you know let's just buy them and um and be done with it type of deal. You know, smart move, you know, eliminate the competition. Sure. And uh of course if you keep the same CEO, hopefully you'll keep the same quality of service that Chewy had had up to this point. Yeah. Yes. You know, when Gordy passed, we had a, somebody knocked on the door and there was a delivery of flowers. Wow. And it was from Chewy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
we were just amazed and, and so impressed. It was it was a really nice touch. That's, that's a thoughtful. very nice token of appreciation. Yeah. Yes. Assembly Bill 485 is making its way through the California legislature. It is aimed at changing how cats, dogs, even rabbits become family pets. That would uh, make it illegal for pet stores to sell dogs, cats, and rabbits from any source other than from a shelter or a rescue group. The authors of the bill hope that it's going to save thousands of pets' lives, put adoptions front and center for pets, and at the same time deal a major blow to puppy and kitten mills. Supporters of that bill say it takes clear aim at unscrupulous breeders who churn out pets each year while those animals suffer. Those opposed to the bill say it paints all breeders with the same brush. That's going to force some pet stores to close and will increase black markets in pets. Let's be honest, there are some legitimate licensed breeders who do practice safe breeding and provide excellent care for their animals. And they usually sell direct to people looking for purebred dogs and specific cat breeds. But there are an estimated 10 thousand puppy and kitten mills operating in the united states too so if you aren't familiar with puppy mills what's so bad about them well let's see females at puppy mills are set on a breeding schedule they say that does not include time for recovery between pregnancy and often female dogs are bred far too young Puppy mills typically care less about healthy pets than they do their profit margins, and they also are known to breed without regard to genetic or behavioral concerns. And add to that, figures from the ASPCA show 6.5 million dogs and cats enter U.S. shelters every year, and of that, about 700,000 of them are strays, so not even a million. And those strays, at least 700,000 of them anyway, are returned to their owners. Now, of the remaining 3.2 million pets that are lucky enough to find new homes, while another 1.5 million are euthanized, and if you're doing the math, that leaves 1.7 million animals who are in shelters still waiting for homes. Mm -hmm. So it could be a very good thing. Go to your shelter instead of going to a breeder. And you know what? I, I understand that. And like you said, I know there's a lot of responsible breeders out there, but of the calls that we get, the, the animals that we hear and see about, many of the animals that have behavioral problems were brought up in a small little cage at a puppy mill. Uh, so Right. Yeah, that's why those, those small uh, operations, the few small operations that breed um, ethically responsibly are, are so much better. They're not all good, but the puppy mills at the same time are mass producing these animals. So the animals can't be socialized. There's just not enough time or people to socialize that many kittens and puppies mm, or rabbits. A live streamed video feed of a pregnant giraffe that has enthralled millions, including me, of YouTube viewers since February has come to an end. Come on, I bet you watched it too. Oh yeah, I saw it. And I'm not even a, I'm not even a social media guy. I don't even get <laughs> online to check out videos. And this was a video I had to check out and there was like a million and a half people watching at the same time I was, which is incredible. Wow. Yeah, you weren't alone by any means, Hal. Um, Animal Adventure Park in rural upstate New York, which operated the giraffe cam showing April the giraffe and her new baby, has ended its project after some incredible interest. The giraffe cam made the park... The second most live viewed channel in YouTube history 
with more than 232 wow. million live views since February. Better than some of the shows like on UPN or the CW. I mean, that's oh, yeah. better viewership. I mean, it's incredible. Yep. Yeah. That's that's astronomical. And as you said, how more than a million people were watching when April gave birth on April 15th. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Dwight. Hey, Dwight. Welcome to the show. Hi. What's going on? I have Dr. Debbie right here. Hi. Uh, my neighbor has a chocolate lab, about three years old, and uh, I just saw this the other day. He is uh, eating his own waste. Oh, I lovely. And I says, I said, what are you feeding that dog? He's a good dog food, but he didn't tell me what it was. So, you know, the interesting thing is that most of these cases, it's more of a behavioral problem than actually a medical problem. There can be some medical problems that can cause a dog to do this, whether it is a, a digestive, um, an uh, absorptive problem, some types of food allergies, parasites, things like that. But generally, it's a problem that they actually pick up when they're young. And the mother dog, that's basically how she cleans the babies, is she licks their hindquarters and ingests their feces. So as disgusting as it sounds, this is kind of a natural behavior that they pick up um, very young. Um, it goes awry when it becomes just disgustingly a nuisance. Um, so some of the tricks of this, and, and it can be hard when this has been going on for such a long period of time. But what we talk about is uh, limiting the access and the opportunity for this behavior to happen than to try to um, avoid it as well. So the first thing that I would do is pretty much keep this dog under eyeballs watch anytime he's outside. If he's left alone to do his own business, then he's going to potentially eat his own business <laughs> when he has that opportunity. So you really have to go escort them outside, whether it takes take them out on a leash um, or to um, actually, um, you know, just kind of physically observe while he does his business. Um, there are some uh, deterrents that you can put in their food to make the stool taste bad. And uh, you would kind of naturally think that stool tastes bad anyways, but, you know, dogs love it. So, <laughs> so um, but that can help. You just have to be consistent with that and actually let the dog try to ingest those stools. So that's kind of the big thing there. Now, you know, some folks will kind of use Tabasco sauce or other bitter tasting things and put it on the stool to deter them. And, and that's fine if you can actually be that vigilant and follow around in the yard and put that on all the stool. But for me, I'd say I'd rather see folks spend their time picking up that poop, decreasing the opportunity and, um, you know, not waste your time putting, uh, you know, sauce on stool. It just sounds disgusting to me. <laughs> but, you know, he's got a real challenge on his hands if, if this has been going on for a while. Um, we can nip it in the bud and we can definitely get control of it, but it's going to require um, you know, getting a, a handle on things uh, behaviorally and access-wise. And, you know, since he is doing this, it will increase his potential for things like intestinal parasites. So um, a visit to the vet, get that stool checked, uh, screen him for parasites. Um, and, you know, a diet change might not be a bad idea as well, but uh, I'd start with some of the simple things first and, uh, you know, go with that. Okay. I'll tell All right. Well, you're a good friend, man, to be concerned about your friend's dog and eating poop. So uh, I wish I had neighbors like that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks, Dwight. 
I have neighbors like that. They eat their poop. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Holy education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie zowie. They've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. How do golf balls get in hash browns? Still uh, a question that I, we've been asking ourselves for the last at least forty minutes. Is uh, Doctor Debbie has just reported strange. a recall? Yeah, that is very strange. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to have for your dog safety, but for your own. <laughs> yes, it, a choking hazard, as you said earlier. Are we calling Florida? I believe we are. Hi, Kenneth. How are you doing? doing good where are you in florida uh we're right near west palm beach it's a little place called loxahatchee florida it sounds like it's beautiful uh it's Just... nice in the country so now tell me you are a drone aficionado is that correct it's correct you it's sort of a hobby for you or is it a business for you no it's a hobby in a way uh, i purchased the drone strictly for looking for lost animals Strictly wow. for looking for lost animals. That is an ingenious idea, might I say. Well, some neighbors don't think so. <laughs> oh, really? Well, we'll find out about that in just a couple of seconds. What made you come up with the idea to uh, do this? Well, there were a lot of places that uh, the people couldn't go when they're looking for the animals. And uh, I felt that maybe from the air, we would cut down on the amount of time that people are spending up and down the streets looking for the animals and that we might be able to spot them a lot faster, as well as scan the canals uh, to make sure that the dog or cat or whatever had not fallen into the canal. Hmm. So I wanted to ask, so have you have you used this, and, and like, how do you know where to begin and, and put the drone up and go after, a, a, like, a trail? The last place that the animal was seen is where we start. How do you implement it? I mean, are you, uh, are you on Facebook, or how do you tell people that you're doing this? We are on Facebook, and uh, the person that uh, has the, the Facebook page is Gail Bass, and Gail started up what's called Loxahatchee Lost and Found Pets in 2012, and her and uh, Michelle French and Don Dabari are all in partnership there, and, and they average about 85 to 90 animals per month that they recover. Well, how big is this town? Oh, wow. Uh, it's about 19,000. 
So nineteen a town of nineteen thousand people loses about ninety five animals a month. Is that wow? That's a lot. Well, you have a lot of animals in the country. I mean, everybody's got dogs, two, three dogs, many cats, and uh, the other. We lost a, a horse uh, not too long ago. That if I had known that the horse was out, was loose at least a day before we found it was loose, uh, we could have saved the horse. Now, I would imagine this consumes a lot of time that you're you're viewing video, I guess, or how does that work? Uh, it's uh, The drone has a, uh, an HD video camera on it, okay. and when, when we launch it, it, the drone can stay up there for a half an hour, and then it has to come back and shove in another battery to go back up for another half hour. But the uh, we try and section off an area so we're not repeating our, our flights over the same area. And just keep searching there for the for the lost animal. What has your success rate been so far? Well, we we found quite a few. But the thing is, is not so much the drone. The drone can easily locate the animal. It's the girls that go out, and they they're the ones that really get should get so much credit because they go out and go through the woods. They uh, track up and down these roads through the canals. They do so much. All I have to do is just locate it, and that's easy. Do you charge for your services? No, no. And uh, we were called uh, by in Tampa uh, for us to go to fly over there and look for a cat. And so we, uh, she had a private jet come and pick us up and uh, take us over there to Tampa. And, wow! And uh, then flew us back. Did you find the cat? No, and uh, neither did the, uh, the detectives. That she also hired for with uh, the, the detective dogs uh-huh. that go out looking for cats. That's what they're trained for. Right. There was no sighting of the cat, but there was plenty of raccoons and possums that were dead in the uh, surrounding area. We are with Kenneth Hendrick. His hobby is drones, and he has a, a drone that he looks for missing pets, lost pets using it. Uh, how do the neighbors feel about this? Well, uh, I've got a couple neighbors, and if I fly over their their property, they get a little upset because they think I'm intruding onto their their space. And actually, I'm not even looking at their property. I'm on my way out to look for something else. You know, it it takes practice to uh, to fly a drone, and uh, it's and I have to practice to keep in shape. How, how far away can it go from you? Uh, approximately five miles. Yeah. Wow, that's a good good distance is there any licensing or permitting that you need yes you need a pilot's license and you also need the drone license and you have a pilot's license yes i do this is uh pretty incredible i think what you're doing is amazing and i i hope that it it starts a, a fad across america for looking for lost animals i really hope it does too because i think there's a lot of animals that could be recovered that the, the gators and the, all these other animals are killing and it's just like losing your kid you lose your kid uh you you're down in the dumps for a long time to come. Okay. Yeah, wow. Well, I thank you for visiting with us, and I encourage listeners to check out Lockett, what is it, Lockett, Loxahatchee. Loxahatchee, and it's pronounced, it's spelled exactly the way it's, uh, it's pronounced the same way it's spelled. L-O-X-A-H-A-T-C-H-E-E, Lost and Found Pets, and they have about 11,000 members. And a Facebook page, and we'll put links to that all over at our website at animalradio.pet. Thank you, Kenneth, for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets.
People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Coming up this hour, the very funny Judy Gold. Comedian Judy Gold will be joining us. Is it comedian? Are ladies called comedians? You know what? Everywhere used to be written that way, but now they're dropping that and just saying comedians. They're not doing Yeah, everything's it. kind of gender neutral It now. is, yeah. Okay. They're not making it specific like that anymore. I didn't know anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm so out of it. But she'll be here this hour with us. And uh, also the guy who's uh, apparently training cats. He's, or he's training people to train cats. And, yes. uh, so that's coming up in, in a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on, Lori? I'm going to tell you about this video channel, and people watched it for months, like two, three months and beyond, uh, for April the Giraffe. Oh, yes. But there, there's a cliffhanger here for you, and we'll tell you what that is coming up. I watched it. Did you watch it, oh, I'm I'm so sick of it. Can I just tell you that I've had an employee watching for weeks, months, <laughs> at the desk with the April, the giraffe. I mean, every day the phone is plugged into the power source because, you know, your phone would die. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a waste of human time. I'm Wait, sorry. What do you mean it's a waste of human time? Where I, else will you see the birth of a I giraffe? I didn't watch it. I watched it. You replay it. it. That's what it's all about. You videotape it. Replay it. You want to see it happen at the time that it's happening just in case, you know, something bizarre happens. When that giraffe pops out, boom, just like that, onto a floor, a hard floor, well, sort of hard floor, pretty far down. Yeah. It was a little upsetting for me. Mother Nature <laughs> is cruel, isn't it? How do you think giraffes have birth in the wild? They don't have somebody there catching them, like with a, a mitt, a baseball mitt, saying, okay, you drop the baby. Well, you would think in the, at least in the wild it would but be that, a softer that ground. helps to clear their lungs. Oh, really? Right. What? Yeah. That drop clears their lungs? Yeah. Yeah. It would clear my lungs. Well, I did watch it, and a lot of people watched it, just like your staff there. It was something that over a million people were watching at one time, which is pretty incredible. Are we going to the phones? Yes. Judy is saying go to the phones. Shut your yapper and go to the phones is what she's saying. Let's see. I think we have Rick on the phone. Hey, Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Good. What's going on in your world? Well, I have a schnoodle. Um, He's about a year and a half to two years old. Um, Very rambunctious, but he... He he loves walks and to play and all that, but he does not like a car. He'll uh, get real shaky, um, like riding in a car. Um, mm-hmm. He starts panting, uh, salivating, and then eventually he'll throw up. Okay. All right. Well, and that's that's definitely a hard thing. Are you out traveling right now with him? No, 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 no. He's at home. Okay. I'm I'm a truck driver. I'm actually uh, in Island Park, Idaho, which is oh, absolutely okay. beautiful. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the trick with dogs that have problems in the car travel, there, there's two components to it. There's there's actually what's more of a phobia, uh, which causes them to be fearful, trembling, shaking, drooling. 
And then there's the dogs that have true motion sickness. Now, a dog with true motion sickness doesn't have to go through those other symptoms. And in fact, a dog with motion sickness, it's really just when they get on those windy turns that they'll start to get nauseated and vomit. Um, right. However, a dog that has motion sickness can build up those phobias because they know what's going to come. So you can get an overlap of two problems here. So we have to address it that way. The first part, if we've got time and opportunity before car travel, the best thing we can do is condition a dog to the car. And that can be a very labor-intensive process where we gradually train them to being near a car being in the car, being in the car gradually that goes down the back of the driveway, and then eventually working up to going around the blocks. Now, every dog is different, and you can't push them. So we may spend, you know, a week or two just getting them to do basic obedience, sitting right next to the car before we actually enter it. If we notice any fearful behaviors, ears are down and back, tail is low, slinking, looking around, licking the lips, then we're pushing them too far, and we don't want to take that next step and put them in the car and drive them around because we're not accomplishing anything. We're ourselves further back. So gradually we build up to this, we practice this with treats, rewards, and then eventually we build up to those smaller bits of time getting around the car, driving the car, um, that we can hopefully build them up to positive experiences. So that's the, the hard and the long way to correct these type of things when we've got anxiety. Um, some of the short-term things that we do, there's a lot of different things. So some dogs, if we really feel that they have motion sickness, I may use a drug like Dramamine. Or there's another one that's uh, approved for dogs called Serenia, which um, helps to decrease their uh, motion sickness and truly an emotion sickness type problem. Won't do anything for that anxiety, so we got to work on that too. Um, so I may add in some things like the Thunder Shirt, which can be a calming effect, um, as well as things like dog pheromones. Those help to kind of relax them in a natural way. Those could be in collars, sprays, things like that. So those are some other ways that we can help make training a little bit easier or just even that car travel that you have to do all of a sudden. And uh, I guess the other thing that I should mention is that when we are traveling with dogs in a car, we don't want them to run helter-skelter all around the, of the car because that can actually be very upsetting. It helps to feed their anxiety. The more they can run from window to window and drool and lick the, the, the glass, um, it, it really makes them very uh, much nervous. So uh, seat belts or dog crates are a great way to keep them confined, and that will help decrease some of that motion sickness that they'll have. Um, and then the final thing, hey, I've even tried ginger snaps. Um, just like people, dogs can respond to the, the beneficial effects of ginger for motion sickness. So um, a couple ginger snaps or a little bit of some crystallized ginger can be very helpful about a 30 minutes to 45 minutes before you travel. Okay. Yeah, he seems to shake. Yeah, I mean, if, even if I just bring him into the car, he'll start mm -hmm. shaking cause he's not real comfortable with it. So Okay. Yeah, um, and that's where yeah. you'll have to step back to before you enter that car. You want to get some really yummy treats, pieces of nice uh, American cheese, and you practice just going out to the car, sitting, opening the car door, but not getting in. Practice that until you can see that he's comfortable, and then uh, walk him through the car, make him sit in the back seat, and then just walk right out. You're not going to make it seem any more threatening than that, and do that until you can do him um, comfortably with those behaviors. Okay. Thanks for your call, Rick. Hey, Tim, how you doing? <laughs> Good. Well, hi. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Well, what's going on in your pet world? Well, my roommate has two miniature schnauzers that bark horribly every time any of us come to the house or anybody comes to the house, for that matter. And mm -hmm. uh, we've tried the little barking box. That doesn't seem to phase them. And mm -hmm. I need to know what to do with these dogs. Okay. And um, so the dogs have free roam of the house then? Yes, they do. 
Okay. And is this when, if you're in the house, someone comes to the door, they're barking, or is it just anybody coming to the door? Anybody coming to the door, and anybody can be home, and they'll still do it. Okay. And is um, one of the two dogs, or is there someone who's the instigator of the two? No, they both do it equally. They do. Okay. Well, that would be easier if there was one. <laughs> well, the female, the female may be more than the other one. The female, uh, yeah, if I had to pick one, she's the one that starts it. Because sometimes there is. There's, there's one that kind of gets the fever going and the barking starts, and then you know, any other pets or any other dogs in the house will join in after that and kind of alert has sounded. So the challenge is when you have multiple dogs that are doing this, and schnauzers, i got to say, are some of the more doorbelly, barking-type dogs out there. Uh, I know my brother-in-law is kind of battling some of these issues with his little schnauzer. Um, it can become a challenge if we have more than one because you can't isolate um, the effects one is having on the other. So what I try to do is find out individually how they behave um, in those situations with the other dog, maybe even out of the household for at the moment, because that kind of tells us where we need to really work on focus our efforts. And also because we're going to talk about doing some training steps that become very difficult if we have two dogs to kind of juggle their responses and to try to correct um, two dogs at the same time. Um, but the challenge really comes is that we, once we're working on these guys, we're working on them individually. And there are different remedies. There's, you know, the bark busters types things, the bark collars. You know, and those are negative reinforcements for this behavior, which for some dogs can work. But I try to really strive for the positive reinforcement in working away from um uh, you know, some of those negative things because we can't always keep a bark collar on a dog. We can't always count on them to work. I've known dogs that have worked around a citronella bark collar and uh, make those suckers like empty out and they'll just keep barking until they're empty. So there, there are some tricks there. One of the big things is I would say we're going to work on really directing the attention towards something else and we need to change the household hold routine. So um, if possible, in the household scenario, I would do things like come in a different door, um, avoid using a doorbell um, or knocking on the door, putting a sign on, you know, for your roommate, you know, we're going to, um, you know, use the back door. We're going to not use the doorbell for visitors. We're going to ask our friends and family to call by phone first before they come over so you can make preparations and be ready for um, that greeting. Along the same lines, we want to change how you're responding. So a lot of times dogs are barking when people come to the door because it's kind of their way of doing what we're doing. We get up and we run over and we scurry over to answer the door and we see who's there. They're just helping out and they're just doing what they can to let everyone know, hey, there's someone there. Um, so what you kind of have to do is actually train them that if someone's at the door, you don't always get up and answer that. So it's kind of like a little test, and you can get your roommate involved with this where you have your pet, and I would suggest using a light leash, maybe even a gentle lead harness while you're doing some of this training because you can maintain control very easily. And, um, you know, when the person comes to the door, if they're knocking, whatever, we don't respond to that. We sit in the chair. We keep reading our book. We don't respond at all. We wait for the pet to settle down, for any kind of anxious behaviors to quiet down, and we keep practicing that. And we're going to basically kind of desensitize to the approach of someone to the door, to the doorbell, to the knocking, any of that. It takes time, a lot of repetition, but that is an important step as we are kind of getting directed towards that. 
other things we want to do is when you enter the home, we want to make sure we decrease the excitement level of the greeting. So if you come home and you're like, hi, how you doing? Woo, glad to see you. Yay, let's go outside. Let's go potty. If you're making that a really high amped up experience, you're actually kind of contributing and feeding that behavior because they're counting on some kind of reward when someone comes to the door, whether it's someone they're going to see or maybe it's you or your roommate or someone else. There's some kind of reward there. So we want to tame down those greetings and make that something that's kind of low-key. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet. And you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. It has uh, been a star-studded show thus far. This hour, Judy Gold, comedian Judy Gold, will be joining us. And this lady stays busy. I'd read you her biography of what she's doing now. But it is it would take up too much time. Uh, but she will be doing a concert for comedy. No, concert. For, she'll be doing a Funny for Fido concert and uh, raising money for the animals along with a bunch of other comedians. So we'll talk to her in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, this hour, a guy who trains. Now, does he train people or does he train the animals? He works at a place called the Animal Behavior College. I believe he trains the people. To train That's usually how it animals. works out. It's usually, you know, as yes. people, we need the help in yes. helping our pets. <laughs> well, it says up here on the board, I know this is a mistake. They're training cats because <laughs> you don't train no, cats. No, it's a cat training. Yes, you can. You can train cats. How? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure my cats have me trained. Well, you can look, you can interpret that whichever way you want, but it's a cat training program for people, not to, a cat training program. I trained my cats. cat Betty yes. to kiss me. Yes. What? I did. In about two, really two minutes. Just held a piece of kibble up to my lips, and every time, for years I tra- she did it. I trained my cat to, at about 2 a.m., to knock off jewelry and uh, picture frames <laughs> off my desk, and precisely at 2 a.m. It was just a magical thing we taught her. That yeah. really is amazing. That's yeah. that's that's a cool trick. Maybe you could teach me how to <laughs> See, train my cat that. Well, you trained your cats to scratch at the door at 4 a.m. for the feeding, scratch at the bedroom door. This is true. I did train yes, them to do did. that. Okay, so they are trainable, and we're going to find out more details about that momentarily right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Uh, we always give cats the short end of the stick here. Um, Do we? <laughs> there's no, I just remember a friend whose whose cat would would like jump on your head in the middle of the night, and or uh-huh. he would go against the window and, and rattle the blinds, and she would end up throwing you know a pair of socks at him or something. It was just funny, but that's that's a cat. Um, we're going to talk about how a dog 
It's usually a dog, I guess, that, that can make you smarter with the anthropomorphization. That's a hard word to say. It is. They should change that I know. word. We need a better Anthropo- word. Anthropomorphism. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Nobody it's attributing human qualities to non-humans, um, like thinking that a car is lazy or stubborn. Yeah. Well, that's that shows that you have empathy if you can do that. Even if a car I can't agree. understand you or have feelings. I you, talk to my car. What do you say to your car? Just when she's doing really good, she's doing, you know, going up a hill she. or something. Yeah, it's, it's a she. How do you know it's a she? Do you, it... It's Big Red. That's her name. Oh, I, I didn't know if you had to look between the tires or. No. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Hello, everyone. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List. Five things we do to give pets complexes. Help, my pet has attitude. What's the deal and why the pet complex? Well, that may be something that we've caused by what we're doing. If your dog or cat is giving you attitude and you can't figure out why, let me help you with a few common things that I think our four-legged friends wish we'd think of before acting upon. Number one, pet strollers. That's right, we've all seen the latest in high-tech and low-tech strollers for our four-legged friends. You know, nature bestowed them with four legs so that they could eh, ride comfortably in a wheeled contraption meant for those who can't walk or haven't yet learned to walk. Hey, I admit it. It's certainly cute and sometimes it's medically necessary. But let's make sure they're getting plenty of exercise. Remember, we do have a pet obesity crisis. Number two, clothing for pets. I know I'm the photographer and I am certainly guilty of loving a pet in a cute outfit. And I can appreciate the work of pet fashion professionals. However, unless it's a need, and I'm thinking of you short-haired pets in the winter, sweaters, clothing, and costumes can be very uncomfortable and even cause overheating issues for our pets. Never force a pet to wear an outfit, a hat, or even a wig. They've got their own fashion sense, and we want them to be able to roll with pride at the local dog park. Number three, Snuggies for Pets. That's right, it's a separate category because while pets have a natural nesting instinct, you don't see them trying on sweaters or blankets at the local flea markets. I went there. Dogs and cats enjoy warmth, but enjoy freedom more. I look ridiculous in a human Snuggie, and dogs might just send me a fragrant message if I wrap them in a dog Snuggie. Being wrapped up as a baby or when scared can give them comfort, but wearing a blanket around if you're not a Charles Schultz character can get you laughed at during a dog park visit. Number four, pet shoes and socks. Again, if you're a rescue dog climbing over dangerous debris, by all means, get some safety footwear in place. If you're a senior who slips on tile floors, it makes sense to have socks and shoes for your paws. But if you're a dog or cat being forced to wear shoes or socks to be fashionable, remind your pet parents that you sweat and regulate your body temperature through the pads of your paws. Prolonged covering can be harmful. In pet bling, pets are more blingy than ever. From necklaces to toenails to tiaras, I can appreciate showering your pets with love, but keep in mind that these shiny objects look more like toys and distractions than fashion statements for your pets. Ah, heck, now I know why my pets have so many complexes. I'm putting down the Snuggie right now. Remember, your pet trusts you and wants you to be happy. Make sure you're giving them the same consideration. Share your pet complexes with us on our Animal Radio Facebook page. 
Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Attention sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All-American Dish right now. 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 That's 800-380-4452 Alan Cable, welcome to another mess. Let's start it off right with your beer news watch. Beer for dogs? We plan on getting a Rottweiler. Well, any bet will tell you, dogs should never be given beer. Their livers don't metabolize alcohol the same way we do. And things like hops can hurt many dogs. It's sad that dogs up until this point couldn't enjoy beer, but a company called Wolf and Brew released a beer specifically for dogs. Are you ready to enjoy one with your dog? I'm just in my boxers right now. <laughs> this stuff has no alcohol or hops or carbonation. It's easy and safe for dogs to digest. So now you can share a beer with your best buddy. And how about an entire town that now has a beer pipeline? (laughs) It's the town of Bruggs, Belgium. They've built a $4.5 million pipeline underground. It's scheduled to go into operation this summer. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Anthropomorphizing. Remember that? Yeah, we talked about it, I think it was last week. And today it's in the news again. A professor of behavioral science at the University of Chicago says, historically, anthropomorphizing has been treated as a sign of childishness, even stupidity. But he claims it actually makes humans smarter, and he says no other species, like humans, have this tendency to do this. Now, many people think that giving a pet or even an inanimate object the same qualities as a human being is kind of weird, and a sign maybe even that the person is not so bright, you know what I mean? (laughs) And it, it might be something that children do, but as you grow up, You're taught to stop talking to things that don't talk back because they don't have minds like we humans do. So why should you talk to them? But after much research, this researcher, Dr. Nicholas Apley, says recognizing the mind of another human being involves the very same psychological processes as recognizing a mind in other animals, a god, or even a gadget. Epley says it is a reflection of the human brain's greatest ability rather than a sign of our stupidity. You talk to your animals. Judy, you talk? I talk to my animals. I talk to other people's animals. Sometimes they make more sense than humans. You know, when I was in nursing school, we had courses on pediatrics. They talk about 
how when you talk to a baby, that, that coochie-coo mama talk, you mm-hmm. know, that you do to yeah. babies, it actually makes the babies smarter. It's not such a bad thing. So when I'm talking to my cat and baby talk, I'm making it smarter. Well, you're not supposed to talk baby talk when they're babies. Adult animals don't like baby talk. Oh. There was a study done. That might be true, Judy. <laughs> okay. Uh, on a serious note, there is a jury in San Diego that has sided with Petco in a lawsuit brought by the family of a 10-year-old boy who died after he contracted an illness from a pet rat that they had purchased from a Petco store. The jury found that Petco was not negligent nor liable in the death of Aiden Pankney. That was four years ago after he was rushed to a hospital with very severe stomach pains. The San Diego County Medical Examiner's Office ruled the case of death and infection, which is known as rat bite fever. So we do know about it, but the boy's father went on to file a $20 million lawsuit against Petco, saying that the company knows the rats that it sells is likely to carry rat bite fever. Petco's lawyer countered that claim, saying the company does everything it can to prevent the disease, warns against it, and also said there is no way to determine the percentage of rats that do have it because it is really pretty rare. Well, thanks to their dog, a couple in San Carlos Park, Florida, was able to safely escape their home recently when a fire broke out. The family says it started in their garage, and they were home at the time. But they were able to make it out alive and safely because of their dog, Mia, who started barking and then alerting them to the crackling and popping noises that were coming from the garage. And so she literally went and got her pet parents and then took them back to the garage door so that they would open it. You know, it was a mission for her. They opened the door, saw the flames. Within two minutes, the home was engulfed Mm. in smoke. So more lives saved thanks to dogs. Mm, I love it. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Oh, this is cool. We're going to head to line three, is that correct? Yes. Okay, where we have Stephen Applebaum. He's the president and CEO of the Animal Behavior College joining us. Hi, Mr. Applebaum. How are you doing today? I am doing well. How about yourself? Awesome. Okay, so you guys, I assume by the name, you train, I would assume, dogs for sure to uh, be better dogs. Um, indirectly. Animal Behavior College is a vocational school. Okay. And we, we train dog trainers. Oh, you train we the train, people that train the dogs. Yes, yes. Plus professional groomers and veterinary assistants. And our new program, which we're very excited about, which is our cat training program. I have several cats. I've always been a cat guy. I have never been able to train my cats. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, are, are your cats litter box trained? They are litter box trained, yes. Then you trained them. Okay. Well, they I mean, kind of came that way. They, they, did they come that <laughs> <Yeah>. way? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this has to do with the perception uh, about what the word training means. And for many people, when they think of training, they immediately go to dogs, and they think of putting a dog on a leash and teaching the dog to listen to various cues to come and to sit and to stay and to walk by your side. And that's all great. It's, it's important, especially with, uh, with bigger dogs, really with all dogs. And you can teach cats to do that, but that's not the focus. Okay. The, the focus is behavior modification, 
litter box issues. The fact that, uh, according to a veterinary product news uh, article I, a few years back, and I've seen this since, uh, it's estimated that as many as 50% of cats, after they go to their first veterinary visit, they, they don't go back for regular checkups, in part because the, the owners can't get them into the carrier. Mm-hmm. So it's behavior modification type things, scratching on furniture, uh, learning to be a bit more social, believe it or not, even learning to accept other dogs in the house. So the, these, are, these are the things that, the, uh, that, that most cat owners are, are, are really interested in, and considering that there are roughly 85, almost 86 million cats in the United States compared to uh, about 77 million dogs. There's definitely a market for it. But it's, it's changing the perception. Uh, they, they can be trained. They're just trained for different things and using different motivations, frankly. Sure. It's mostly behavior modification. It has little to do with, uh, like, training them to do tricks. And just or, sit and come. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, again, you can teach them to do that. Uh, and for people that are interested in doing that, we, we are, the, the program certainly teaches trainers how to do that. Um, but it's not a, a trick training course. It's really focused on practical behavior problem solving, which is, again, what most people are are interested in and why cats are rehomed. Are are most of your students someone with cats or someone who wants to do that as a job? Most of the students are likely to be cat owners who want to also make a difference in the lives of other cat owners and, of course, the cats. Uh, There will certainly be some that may not have cats at all and are looking at this in part because just because you don't have a cat doesn't mean you don't care about making their lives better. And also because it allows dog trainers or veterinary people to offer an additional set of skills, which makes them more marketable. So there, there are a lot of reasons why people will do this. Where are you located, and is this an online course? Um, it's a combination. Uh, we're located in Southern California in Valencia, which is north of Los Angeles. Um, but the program, like all of our programs, is a combination of distance learning. There's some online components coupled with an externship in which we place people at specific locations so that they can get some hands-on experience. In the case of the cat training program, uh, they will be placed at various animal shelters, which is in part one of the reasons why we started this program in the first place. Um, you know, and looking at the, uh, you know, I've been training uh, professionally. I was a professional dog trainer for years since the early 80s. And I remember for a very long time, the mantra that would come out of uh, animal shelters was spay and neuter, spay and neuter, spay and neuter, which is a very important message and one we wholeheartedly agree with. But about 15 years ago, the mantra changed and it became more spay and neuter train, spay and neuter train, spay and neuter train, because they understood, the shelters understood the correlation between good training and what prevented dogs from winding up in the shelter in the first place, as well as what allowed them to be rehomed more easily and for the recidivism rates to go down. But while that was wholeheartedly embraced on the dog side of the shelter world, cats who typically wind up in shelters more than dogs and are euthanized at a, much higher, at a higher rate than dogs every year, you didn't hear anything about training on the cat side, in part because there's the perception that you can't really train a cat, or what would you train them to do? Well, I commend you for what you're doing, especially in respect to the cat. Not a week goes by, we get a call from an owner who says, the cat's tearing up the furniture, I'm going to get them declawed. And we say, don't get them declawed, teach them to use a cat tree. And they get them declawed, and then they... 
they call back a month later and they say, now the cat's declawed and is not using the cat litter. Eventually, that cat ends up in the shelter. So I, I, I really applaud what you're doing there. Thank you. And I appreciate it. If people want to learn more, what's the website? The website is animalbehaviorcollege.com. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pets. Stephen Applebaum, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584-877-247-1584-877-247-1584. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets toll-free. The number is 1-866-405-8405. And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. But first, uh, we want to visit with Judy Gold, comedian Judy Gold, who's on the phone with us. Hi, Judy. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, absolutely splendid. Thank you so much. Awesome. So you're doing this Funny for Fido thing, and regular listeners know that every month... On the, uh, I guess we should say the east side, New York City. You guys all get together. You do a lot of funny stuff for Fido. It's all to raise money for animal rescue. And uh, right. it's a different lineup usually every month. Is that correct? I think so. It's my first time doing it. It is your first time doing it. Yes. Okay. You're a newbie. You're a virgin. I'm a virgin. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, but I'm excited because... He's been asking me to do it, uh, Justin, forever, and I have not been available, so yay. Yay. <laughs> Tell us about the animals you have at home. Well, I had, meaning not here anymore, okay. cats. I had Mr. Shoes, Simo, Ricky, and Nathan, but Nathan we had to uh, give away because my partner is allergic. Are these, and, are these cats or dogs? Yeah, cats. And so, I mean, I have to get, we don't have a dog yet, but I, I want a dog so bad I can't. You, I love dogs. First of all, I love animals, period. But You love dogs more. I like the dog whisperer in my, in my apartment building. I, I know every, oh, I love dogs so much. Uh, you know, there just comes a time in your life. I did that, too, when it was just time. I just had to have a dog. I had cats, and it was just time. I just knew I had to have yeah. a dog in my life. I, you know, the thing is, I do live in an apartment, so... I would have to actually get up and walk outside and get in an elevator. But, you know, it's a very dog fr- I live in a dog-friendly building. I have a little dog, and I don't have to take it outside because I have an indoor potty. And she goes, and I don't have to get up and take her out in the middle of the night or early in the morning or late well, at maybe, night. Maybe Judy wants a big dog. What, what kind of dog <laughs> do you I'm want? I'm a big woman. I'm a big woman. I need a nice, I want a rescue Okay. that makes eye contact with me. <laughs> <laughs> on a regular basis. I just, you know, I just love dogs. 
you know, I just, I don't know. I see people walking their dogs. I stop and talk to every dog. My kids want to kill me. My girlfriend wants to kill me. But I don't know. They're just amazing creatures. But I, I'm a big woman. I want a big dog. But I want it. I want the dog to be able to, like, get in bed with me and stuff. Sure. Well, we say yeah. that for the first month or so, and then we wake up with a backache, and we're sleeping in weird positions. And right. you know, then you let the dog sleep on the on the bed, and you sleep on the couch. Yeah, that's how yeah, it right. is. Have you ever <laughs> had a dog, Judy? No, we never had a dog. When I was growing up, we really wanted one, but my father didn't let us get a dog, so... Both my brother and sister have a dog. Now, Judy, here in the studio, she dresses her dogs up. Would you ever be caught dead dressing your dog up? No, that would not happen. Uh-huh. I will not do that. Well, mine's only 10 you, pounds. Like, what kind of outfit? <laughs> what, what kind of outfit do you dress? Are you tutu? Well, you know, and... you no, know, she, she's only 10 pounds, and she has real short hair, and when it gets cold, I put sweatshirts on her and jackets, and then, of course, I dress uh-huh. her in... You know, her name's Ladybug, so she wears a Ladybug costume at Halloween, and, you know, and I paint her nails, and she's got... All right, a, that's, um, I'm not going to be go- doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with kids, you. So I can't, I got to pay attention to them, too, but... Um, <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah, but I just spoke to my father's cousins, they're what, 95 and 94, Uh huh. and they said the reason they're alive so long is because they didn't have kids. I was like, oh, thank you, that's really sweet. Now they tell us... <laughs> Yeah, right? So your partner's allergic to cats. To cats, yeah. So that's why you had to get rid of uh, what, Nathan? Nathan. Uh, he went to a very nice family. He's very happy. But uh, she had a bird, Lemon Drop. She loves birds. Uh-huh. I'm sure she wants another bird, and I want a dog. See, when that happened to me, when uh, my spouse said, I'm allergic to cats, I that was like the end of it. I, that was divorce number one. It was like, <laughs> no you got Yeah, sorry. That's the way I am. You're lying. <laughs> Do the kid? The kids probably want an animal too, right? Yes. My, well, my ex has a dog. She beat me to it. She, and but uh, so they and they love that dog. And you know, my younger son keeps saying, "Mommy, what are we gonna?" Do? And I keep saying, "We're gonna get it this weekend. We're gonna get it this weekend." And then I never get it, and I feel really bad. They're a good muse for comedy writing too, you know. Yeah, that's true. They'll help you, and you can actually practice your routine, and they'll tell you if it sucks or not. Oh yeah, cause, uh, yeah. I do it. Um, I do it in front of uh, people, and it's not always. Yeah, probably get a better response sometimes from the dog. Yeah. And and you get to go to the dog park and meet other dog people, and it's it's a whole lifestyle here. It absolutely is. Well, it is. You know, all across the country, different places, but New York City. There's it, it is a very much a lifestyle because everybody has to take their dog out. So they actually socialize with each other, it seems like. Right, and they have to get it, uh, it has to get, you know, exercise, Uh and so they go to the dog park, and they all know each other. It's like a cult. It is, it is. It is. Yeah. So tell us, you're doing a Funny for Fido concert. This Wednesday, yep. The Stand, Mm -hmm. and that's uh, 239 Third Avenue in New York City, and it's your first one. I always have fun making people laugh, and uh, you have to come next time you're in the city. Absolutely. Does that ever happen? Uh, no, I try to stay out of the city as much as possible. Okay, but that's I, nice. I, I do like that. I do like funny stuff, and yeah. uh, you're a very funny. Pr- what are you working on now besides Fido? The- um, I'm doing uh, well. I'm on the new season of Nightcaps on Pop TV, which is stars Ali Wentworth. I'm in the new series. Uh, I'm dying up here on Showtime, which is in June. It's premiering, and I have my own podcast, Kill Me Now. I heard about and, that. You know, I do a lot of stand up. Isn't it great to make a living doing that? It's amazing to be able to make a living doing what you love. 
yeah. it pays well too, doesn't it? I mean, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I just what is the matter with you? I was dropped as a baby. Listen, Judy, oh, all right. you're awesome. I appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here now. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet. Animalradio.pet. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.